We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And this week, we are discussing the comedic tragedy, Top Dog Underdog, which I knew nothing about before it came, but it is indeed a revival. And so for the plot, for those of you who have not heard of it or don't know it, I just, I found this on their Wikipedia page, and I just thought it really described it very well. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, they say it's a, a darkly comic fable of brotherly love and family identity. Top Dog Underdog tells the story of Lincoln and Booth, two brothers whose names given to them as a joke, foretell a lifetime of sibling rivalry and resentment. Haunted by their past, the brothers are forced to confront the shattering reality of their future. Oh, that was pretty good. I like that. Yeah. You got that yeah. on Wikipedia? I'm mm-hmm, 90% Wikipedia sure. is not always so, elo- uh, eloquent, <laughs> so eloquent not elegant <laughs> eloquently yeah. uh stated no that's yeah good. it's possible that that was a quote from when so it did win the 2002 pulitzer prize for drama and it was noted As right after that should. so it's possible that that was a quote they got from the pulitzer prize like oh from the announcement and they just it just ended up on wikipedia i don't know that wikipedia or the people that go to it drafted that <laughs> but yeah so that pretty much sums it up what it's about and it is indeed a wonderful play the playwright is susan laurie parks who has an extensive list of things that they've done one thing that i found very interesting they did they wrote the screenplay for native son which i did not know that came out in 20, 2019 i actually we <laughs> discussed that book and i do not remember what the class was called but it was one of my law school classes where we studied crimes in literature and we did a really deep dive into Native Son. So now I feel like I need to go find this movie and watch it. The director of this play, of this particular production, was Kenny Leon, who we just talked about for Ohio State Murders. So we're familiar, all of us. So, as I said, it's a revival. So, it originally premiered in 2001 off Broadway at the Ambassador Theater. And then it moved to Broadway in 2002. which is also the year it won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, which I also mentioned. Fun fact, Lincoln and Booth were originally played by Don Cheadle and Jeffrey Wright, which I did not realize. And when they moved to Broadway, Don Cheadle was replaced by Most Def. So that was very interesting to me. Yes. So it was off Broadway at the public. It was was on Broadway at the Ambassador Theater. Oh, sorry. I got my theaters backwards. My bad. Yeah. And so there's also a playlist that was put out by the company. I don't know, like the company company, but like the production company of <laughs> hip hop songs that related to it. So there was, I mean, obviously there was a ton of like most deaf songs on it and stuff once it hit Broadway, but there was a, uh, who was it? I think MCA that I read, like put the record out. I thought that was so fun. Why don't you put out more like playlist for things that don't have songs? So I think I think all state shows should do that. Again, there's a playlist. Music should be with everything. <laughs> there's a playlist, or there was a playlist for um POTUS. They oh yeah, specific songs that they used for um the pre-show. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. That just makes me very happy. So the most recent production, the one that won the Tony, was the current cast members were uh. Yaya Abdul Mateen II and Corey Hawkins. And it did premiere on October 20th, or it opened on October 20th, 2022, and closed January 15th of 2023 with everything else that was on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. All right. So, what did you know about this play before seeing it? Because I know you saw the very first preview, so there weren't like a lot out for the revival. Well, I read it in college in my undergrad I took a contemporary American literature class and it was one of the ones that we read I wrote an essay on it uh something about it's been a minute but I wrote an essay about lies lies and and storytelling Mm -hmm. and 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 lying to yourself and stuff like that as as represented through um through it because that's one of the things so I like knew I knew the story already. I knew how it ended. I know she updated it a little bit for this revival because it had been so long. 
like 10 years since I had read it. It wasn't like I could pinpoint changes or anything like that. I didn't remember all of the details. I remembered like bits and pieces of it. Like I knew the, the overarching story and like all of that kind of stuff and kind of how it began and ended and their relationships and things like that. But um, I didn't always know like how the in-between stuff happened. I, I couldn't remember it exactly. And so that was uh, really interesting to go through. But I had some friends who worked on it. And so uh, they had told me that that she had made some changes and, and did some updates. And she did. I'm surprised that this didn't pop up in your in your research. Or, but she actually wrote during COVID. She wrote a play every day. So she has a, a compilation of like 365 plays that she wrote for a year. And then they were working on some of them. There's like a group of them that they put together. I think they're like 10 minute plays or something like that. But the public had done it last year. And I think it's going to come back again this year of like a few of them put together called like the pandemic plays or something like that. Oh, you um, know, I did hear about that. I think I, I didn't do yeah. a deep dive, but I did hear about that. Yeah, I remember he, I heard about it after it was done at the public. And so I think it's supposed to come back, which I hope it does, because I would love to see it. But yeah, and then, um, so I knew as soon as I heard that it was coming back that I wanted to see it, because I think it's, I think it's just really well constructed. And I hadn't, I had not seen it. I had only read it. Yeah, I figured my dad would want to go. So when we got tickets, uh, cause I was working at six on, uh, at the time. Mm, right. And so what happens sometimes in the Broadway world is you'll other shows like for previews a lot of times, or sometimes if they're undersold, um, they'll offer comps or like discounted tickets. That's how I saw into the woods is we got like a discount code offer for this like added performance. That was like a benefit. And so, yeah, so we had been offered tickets to like this first preview. Cause I think they they wanted to fill it and there are not a lot of shows it was like um were we still on mondays i think that was when we swapped also so we had like twos yeah we had tuesday off and like most most shows kind of run like the same schedule so it was kind of cool because we could see you know a tuesday and so we got um a bunch of the six people all went anyway <laughs> i went with my dad and uh yeah he didn't really know it um, and so like, I sort of knew how it, how it came and he was like, oh my gosh, I was so surprised. And like everything, you know, it like threw me and you never knew, like you start to realize, you know, what is the truth, the real stuff interspersed with like the, the, the lies or like the story that they tell. And so it's very interesting. Um, I think it's one of those that gets more interesting if you see it like a couple of times because you sort of start picking picking that. away at things because there it there are so many layers and you can't get everything the first time you watch it because it's not it's not just straightforward like that I think it was incredibly well done and again I saw it on the first preview and we you know, have talked about this before about previews. And so a lot of times there's like still in flux. And I remember my friend told me, um, he was like, wow, you know, they, they've come so far. Like when the show opened, he was like, they've come so far from the beginning. And I was like, it was like Tony level on that first performance. Like my dad and I, it was one of the things that we talked about, like how well done it was for the very first preview because you know like a lot of stuff is being all thrown together on that first sometimes you have like an invitational sort of address mm -hmm. where you get a little bit of an audience not a full audience but like a bit of an audience before before that first one um, but sometimes it depends like for a parade we didn't have one because our tech was like crazy we weren't ready and they were still like adjusting things. And it was just like a, a technical thing. There's just so much to do when you move into the, into the space. And yeah, so a lot of times you don't have anything and it's just, it's so interesting. And like, I think the set was really well done. I think it was just so well done. And so it was crazy to me that my friend is like, oh yeah, it, they've, they've come so far. And I was like, where, where, where did the, where do you grow when you're like already at the top? But yeah, it was really well done but uh all of that to say is I I knew it fairly well yeah so <laughs> I did not as you can imagine I had never read the play I had never heard of it before I didn't even know it was a revival until you told me I didn't and I like I barely knew it was play because it wasn't I mean it was it was advertised but it, I wasn't 
as heavily advertised I'm sure because it was a play and whatnot and so I didn't I didn't see a lot about it off Broadway but you just kept telling me about it and so I was like okay well I obviously have to go see this because she keeps saying I was excited because I had read it and I liked it Mm -hmm. a lot when I read it so yeah and I so I saw one of the last shows I don't know when either in December or January but I saw one of the last ones and it was it was very well done but I have no nothing to compare it to from before so I don't know if it came miles from the the previews but yeah so I had no idea anything about it except that I should go see it and I was just enraptured the whole time like I was hanging off of every word they said and just pay trying to pay attention to as many details as I could because it's one set and it's you know it's one room but there's so many details so many like minute details so many like like hidden details almost and I guarantee I missed a lot like I I know I saw a lot and I understand the play but I know that there is so much that I missed because I did only see it once and it was so like it was so intertwined with everything going on but I I mean I did really love it I was not surprised that it got the Tony for the best revival Susan Laurie Parks deserved it thousand percent for her you know for writing it i would love to see more of her stuff like because it was man it was just so intricate yeah so now that you've brought it up because i didn't i didn't think about this do you want to talk a bit more about the lies the truth and kind of how they intertwine you don't have to like read us your paper or anything but just kind of like give (laughs) us an overview (laughs) i don't even know if i have that paper anymore um we'll we'll share on patreon (laughs) just kidding (laughs) read my my uh college lit paper yeah it's interesting because I had to sort of read it so I read it once through and you know it's a play you you read it pretty quickly um I read it once through and I was sort of like well that was a roller coaster and like set it aside for like a day and then I was like okay I need to or like a couple of days and I was like I need to reread it because now that I know how it ends I need to go back to the beginning again right because like I was sort of confused um and so I'm glad that I sort of had all of this background of from what I had done and and you know I my undergrad is English I might be in English and so it's I, I did a lot of reading a lot a lot <laughs> of reading I'm sure you know I also worked full-time and went to school full-time and drove two hours each way and all of that so I was like sleep deprived and all of that too which was super fun so I and I think this was I took this class in my most difficult uh semester the one where I was like not sure I was gonna make it uh and graduate because I was just I had like a crazy load I didn't even I wasn't even taking like a lot of classes that semester it was just like they all required a lot of me anyway so I just like didn't really get it the first time that I read it I was and so I was like okay I need to sort of go back and 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 it it's also different when you read you know there are some plays like a lot of older um like Greek plays are meant to be read they're not meant to be performed yeah. Uh, but most contemporary plays are all meant to be performed um, and they don't necessarily come across the same way when you're just reading it. And so, yes, yeah, so after I sort of, you know, did a little like mind reset and watched again or read it again, I was like, OK, so I'm seeing all of the layers here. And so that's one of the things that I think she does really well. Suzanne Laurie Parks is um, it's hard to convey a lot through what you're not saying or through saying something different and so she does a really good job of that there's so much in there that almost feels unimportant because you're like none of this like this isn't what you're saying but it's through this story that's being created through this you know the talking about the cards through all of these things that you're really getting what the underlying sort of stuff is. And so that's um, what's interesting is uh, as you go through, you sort of are thrown all of this information at the beginning that all seems like it has nothing to do with anything, like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. 
And then you sort of go through and you realize, you know, as they're telling all of these stories and you get these like little crumbs of information where you're like, okay, so this is, you know, what they created either to make them feel better because they had, you know, a really rough childhood, you know, like these stories that they tell themselves in their, in their head in order to disguise, you know, these true stories. And so then that was one of the things that my dad was talking about too, is he's like, there are these moments where you're like, not sure which is true and which is a lie. And I think that was where my essay sort of went back into it was like, are these lies that they're telling each other? Because it's just the two brothers. It's just the two right. characters. And they grew up together. But, you know, two people have such different views of the same event. And, you know, they're different ages and all these things, right? So, and I, uh, like, one connects more with the father, one connects more with the mother. And so you get, like, the different sides of that also. But it's like, what is it that they're saying? Like, you can pick out the lies, right? You get to a point where you can... You could pick out what's not true, but then are they telling it knowing that it's not true or do, are they lying to themselves? Do they believe it to be true, even though it's not? And so that's sort of like this interesting depth of being able to portray that in such a way. It's, it's just very strong. She's just such an incredible writer because it's all there on the page. Like it's all there on the page like that they both did just an incredible job of, of bringing that all to life. And yeah, uh, back to the set a little bit, because it's the one room, it's a small one room apartment. And if people didn't really know, um, there used to be a time when you could sort of like rent, you could rent an apart, a quote unquote, an apartment, but it wasn't really a full apartment. Like you shared about, it's almost like a hostel, what we think of like as a hostel now, but you could actually like live in that full time. And so you're like an like efficiency apartment. Yeah. So it's one room. Mm -hmm. There's no like kitchen area. Actually, there's no bathroom. You share that space and it's just like this little small, right? So it's the one brother's apartment. I can always forget like the details of each brother, uh, but it's one of the brother's apartments and the other brother is like staying with him. So there's the one single bed and then there's like recliner chair that the brother's staying there and it's supposed to be temporary and then but he you know can't move and whatever but he's gonna help pay and you know they grew up poor and they're both of their parents abandoned them and all of this stuff that you find out like throughout the story right and um it's interesting because you know these broadway stages are so large and so i think they did a really good job of sort of making this like two-sided little cube that kind of sat off center in the middle of the set. And so you didn't, you, you got that smallness, you know, vibe of it, but you could see everything and it was like a little bit more contained. And then it also kind of gave you this, I don't know, it's like something about this smaller piece on something that's much bigger that almost made it e feel even smaller, you know? And like, you're sort of like looking with like a, a magnifying glass, mm -hmm. like, through the window of like looking into this world. And so, um, yeah, just the perspective of it um, was all done really, really well. And so I'm not sure how it was staged originally. Like I, I only read it, I didn't see it, but I'd be interested to see because I think that the, the vision that they had for this of staging it in the way that they did was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I think it's very interesting to hear the point you like you were coming from into watching this because I approached it very differently obviously because I didn't have the same background and so you go in and you know kind of like what to look out for you you like know like what the storyline is and how it's going to start and how it's going to end and I didn't have that um perspective and so I didn't it took me too long to figure out what what was true and what was not and I I'm sure I missed a lot of that in the beginning. And it took me a while to realize like the card trick was kind of like the thread that went through the whole story. And so obviously I caught on to that because that is a, you know, a trope that's used to kind of keep everything in one place. But then all these other things are happening. And so I did not know what was going on for the first like <laughs> 15, 20 minutes probably. And I don't, I don't remember it being that long of a play. I don't remember how long it was, but I don't, I don't think it had an intermission or anything. 
Yeah, I think it was like 80, 90 minutes. Like, I think it was pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, so the first like 15, 20 minutes, I don't know what's going on. And so I definitely missed a lot of that. But it's very interesting hearing it from your perspective because now I'm like, oh, there's so much more I can discover about this play that I never that I didn't and that I might not would have known if I did it again. So I just I just borrowed the book from the library on my phone so that I can go read it because now I want to like see if I can find these underlying like it's it's like a journey and it's like a it's like a puzzle almost to kind of figure out what's different and what's the same and kind of like what you missed and well and that's the thing too about reading it like again you know most contemporary plays are meant to be seen but especially in something like this I think there's a lot of benefit to reading it because everything happened like it's all spitfire you know everything is happening so fast and so it's like because I already kind of knew because I had read it I'm sure I would have missed so much more if I had only seen it the first time because it's just like everything is going so quickly. It's just a lot. A lot is happening. And so I think that a lot of that just goes back to how what an incredible playwright she is because she was able to do something so challenging. Like it's challenging to comprehend, Mm -hmm. to take in. And so being able to do a really good job of putting that out to people is um is just incredible. And I think I think she's amazing. I want to see more of her stuff because this yeah. is actually the only thing that I had ever read of hers and the first one that I've seen. So I haven't actually seen anything else by her, but that would be something maybe add to our Patreon book absolutely. club that is um, coming soon. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. Coming. I mean, um, I know as a writer, this is a personal opinion, obviously, but as a writer, like this type of writing where you hide so many things in the words, in the acts, in the scenes is, in my opinion, one of the, the highest levels that you can get as like a strongest writer. And so like, this would be not this, obviously, but like this type of work, this understanding this this deepness in this work would be what I would strive to write like as a writer this is what I would strive for and to see it done so well and so uh intricately like I don't know in the like the set design it just it everything with the playwright you have this incredible story and then you have the lighting the lighting's incredible and it changes every time we have a new card scene the light's changing and everything's moving constantly when we're in those scenes and so while that is kind of I don't know if I'm getting it right I may be wrong but that to me felt like the the thing that held it all together and so it was always interesting that like the card tricks were always like performed in a different spot or they were constantly moving and then the light is done so differently but that's the one constant and it's the one thing that's also not staying still whereas everything else is very like staying still they're sitting in the bed talking they're sitting in the chair talking like static yeah it's more static and so I found that really very cool. And, and then the direction, I mean, both guys, the makeup department. I don't know if you've seen Corey Hawkins not on this stage because like I had heard his name, but I guess I didn't like really know his face that well. They aged him up well, really well. <laughs> I saw him on the stage at the Tonys and almost didn't recognize him because he looked so much younger. Like it was insane. And we talk about one man plays, two man plays, like such small productions to be that big not physically but just like in general I feel like it's a lot of like pressure isn't really the right isn't really what I'm trying to say it's it's a lot um Mm -hmm. a one-man show or or two people even three people that's a lot of show to carry uh and so there's just sort of a lot on you because you have so much of the story that you're bringing across and so it's like it, it never felt lacking like it needed more people like it needed more and it's like there are multiple other people are mentioned like all of these things are happening and so it's like like there's the the girlfriend or whatever or not girlfriend but like the one that he's supposed to be going on a date with but supposedly mm-hmm. like that's the thing like is he it's one of those questions like where you have to kind of as as the reader or the audience member you have to decide what you think it does she exist 
she probably does exist right but is this true is this are they together is she actually coming or is this something that he's made up in his mind because you know he loves her and she is you know not interested or whatever right all of these things right and so it's like yeah it's just very interesting how all of all of the levels it was just it's just done so well and she's just such an incredible writer and I think that um one of the things to to sort of circle back to what you're saying too is I think this really shows I'm all shows are like this but this is one of those like very good representations of how all of the different pieces um of a production work together of the staging of the Mm -hmm. direction of the writing of the makeup of the wigs of the you know like all of these different pieces the costumes all of these things come together in order to tell the full story and it all comes back to again like if you don't have a good script I mean I've done plenty of shows that had crappy scripts and we've been able to do good productions of them but if you don't have like good meat to work with in that script you know you're really struggling from the beginning and so you know you have this incredible play and then you can come and and put these uh put all of these pieces together with all of this just incredible vision coming together from all these different pieces it's just so it was just so well done yeah and i think that's one that's one credit to them as well because with a play that has so many static pieces like you're looking at musicals, there's constant movement. You're looking at these big productions, there's constant movement. And so like, if you're trying to like get rid of a stage, like of a set piece, if you're trying to like bring someone in quietly, if you're trying to do this, like it's not as noticeable in those type of things, but this is so static that you notice everything that's happening in the scene. And so to still keep you on your toes when there's nothing to distract you, that is just, I mean, fascinating to me. Like I, it's like I can't even fathom it, but I was there. I saw it. I mean, I know it happened. Yeah. And it's just uh, I don't know. And and then these actors, I mean, so this was uh Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. This was his debut on Broadway. Oh and uh, he's he's a film actor, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So um he's done um I was just looking that up, but he's known for the get down Aquaman. Um He's in the new Candyman, the trial of the Chicago Seven. So yeah, I mean the Watchmen TV show. He's done quite a bit of acting. This is just his first Broadway debut. Well, and so Um, that's something interesting I'd like to touch on just briefly, especially now because we're seeing a lot of film and television actors coming to Broadway. And as a stage actor, um, sort of trying to figure out this like film and tv acting thing like for Mm -hmm. myself it's um it's very different um and i've worked with some you know film actors on stage though not this last well also this last one that i did which was extra challenging uh for a lot of reasons um this last show that i stage managed but the show before that that i stage managed it's difficult and it was like a joke that we made but also it's kind of true and I think that's what makes it so funny is you know I would give him notes on okay well this this is the line or whatever he'd get the line and then I'd be like okay well here's your blocking for that and he's like okay you expect me to walk and talk at the same time (laughs) and it's like it's a a joke and it's like I've made that joke before too like as a dancer sure. when I used to take classes I used to make the joke of like wait, wait 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 wait, you need me to do something with my legs and my arms like I can't do both at the same time like because yeah. it takes a lot you know you're focusing on a lot more things but it's but it's true like with film acting there isn't so much I mean it depends it, a lot of times it does depend on the film and, and things like that but it's not you're not seeing the whole picture like you are with a stage you're not seeing everything all at once and so yeah. the movement is often not connected to the the lines and and to the to, to what you're saying the way that it is on stage and it's just like it's so different you can do things 
um, in film so much smaller because there's all the close-ups versus even really minor moments you really need to make so much bigger for a live audience because you know people are so much further away and you look so much smaller and all of these things Um, because little minor things you do with your face you know the mezzanine isn't gonna see no one knows right Uh, and so it's very different you know, it's all acting, but it's a sort of a different type of acting or like, um, Mm -hmm. there's just these nuances to it. Uh, and so for me, I'm used to being very big, um, because I'm used to, you know, like a stage and and being very far away from my audience. And so, uh, it's one of those things I feel like the, the current idea of, um, that whispering is acting comes, I think from, a lot of film and TV actors sort of coming into the stage space because in film, sure, although I hate it in film too, whispering is not acting. It's it's not acting. It's also and not I mean, singing. I don't care. I said it. I know that's very controversial I, right now. <laughs> I mean this to say, I'm very judgmental. It's fine. Um, I think everybody has learned that uh, by now. What episode is this? Like 12 or some shit. Um, 15, whatever. I don't mean that you cannot act and whisper at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean that there is this idea and you, if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. That just by whispering that that is you acting in the scene. And it's this thing that people do and they just, and then you can't fucking hear them. You, you see it in film all the time too. <laughs> We're like, they're just whispering. And I'm like, why are you whispering? Like this, it, it's so weird. And yeah, anyway, I, I hate it. I, li- I hate it so much. But also like I've been dealing with I, the last two shows I stage managed, like just a lot of people, you can't hear them because they're like, oh, this is a this is a quiet moment. We're together and it's very, and it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, but I get it that you're trying to talk soft and you feel like this is, you know, a, a soft moment and that's fine. But it's not about, yeah, if I'm just having a private conversation with you and we're, you know, head to head, yeah, we can whisper, we can be really quiet because the only person that needs to hear me is you. Well, if we're having a quiet head to head conversation, but in a play, it's not about whether you can hear me. It's about whether the people in the last row can hear me. And so that's sort of one of the things that you still have to project this tangent. Yeah. You need film to to stage literally. And so anyway, all of my more side tangents to say that having like only two people and having just these like little moments. And so like some of these moments are happening at the dead of night. It's like the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and only one of the guys is awake or whatever. And he's like doing his thing and doing whatever. You never felt like you couldn't follow or you couldn't hear. You weren't like, like they command so much of that stage within, and it's mm-hmm. just the two of them. And you never felt like, wow, I, I need more. And so that was really nice. Anyway, I think I just went well, around in a I giant thought, circle for no reason. That's okay. I thought you were going to say you never felt settled because, well, I also <laughs> didn't feel it's one of those shows that I feel like keeps you on your toes the whole time. And that goes back to the writing, but also mm-hmm. another thing about the set. It is so well mm-hmm. done that the chaos, you can feel the chaos, especially if you have like anxiety to like we all do, right? Don't we all have anxiety and depression? I now? think so. But like but, the, um, the energy coming from these guys. So like you could see like Corey Hawkins character, like in the middle of the night when he's having these like, drunken nights when he's having like a moment where he's stealing or he's gambling or he's like spiraling like you felt that energy coming from the stage and he also is a film actor like he's done a couple other productions he did um I just pulled it up and then completely forgot to look at it but he did he seems to do a show every like four or five years he did six degrees of separation back in 2017 and then he did Romeo and Juliet back in 2013 so this is his third broadway production that he's done but he's also very big in film i mean he did the black klansman he did straight out of compton so you know he's also going back and forth but you again you never felt like you 
couldn't connect with him or you couldn't like he just commanded that stage and even when it was just one of them there like specifically when like Corey Hawkins was there by himself and it was so overpowering emotionally like I felt like when he started spiraling that I wanted to cry because I was overcome with emotion too when he was and it's not even happening to me it's like a 90 minute play and it was just uh the emotion like that's that's always very exciting for me to see when it's someone that I know is coming from film to stage because because like you say like a lot of times especially lately we have all these plays that are bringing in all these big names and like some of them are I just saw a goodnight Oscar a couple weeks ago and Sean Hayes knocked it out of the park like you felt every emotion he felt on that stage but then you know I've seen others where I've seen actors in it and didn't feel anything like they acted well they sounded well you knew that they you felt like they were playing the role they were meant to play but they just didn't get the same emotion across all the time and that's one of the things that this play did really well was get the emotion across because even when I didn't know what I was supposed to understand for what was real what what like what they were talking about that was true what wasn't um even if I like in the beginning when I couldn't necessarily keep up with like oh where are we going with this what is this thing do I need to know what this is I always knew how I was supposed to feel like and I think that that's not only a credit to like the writing obviously that brings the play together but the actors themselves who who portray that feeling absolutely every piece went into the feeling of it which is nice because you get it like I like I said from the set from their emotion and how they're portraying that from the words you get all of that it's just so powerful to me to see how much can be done and portrayed in I mean in this it's not a few words that there are a lot of words but like a lot of words that are not saying directly what you know what you're trying to get across and then just these two actors in this one room and it's like all of these other things happen and you talk about it Lincoln who does white face and I think that that is such an interesting concept him being a Abraham Lincoln impersonator essentially in white which is like really funny like the show is so tragic but it has these little pieces that just like you you still laugh like you can't you still enjoy you have these like happy moments that when things are not happy but you find the happiness in them you find like laughter in them still which is fun yeah tragically funny yeah it's that's something that's also like difficult to do you sort of have to match especially in really really heavy shows like you you have to have that like comic relief a little bit and so in in a lot of you know heavy dramas or 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 major tragedies there's like a character right well there's only these two guys like a lot of the stuff that they do is funny the things that they say and part of them say you know saying and not saying you know what they're yeah. what they're really saying is part of what makes it funny too and them also like it's like putting on these airs for each other even though they're you know you would think your family that's who you can be your truest self with right like obviously yeah. we know that that's not always the case and we've talked about this before with like the lgbtq yeah. community and and all of these mm-hmm. kinds of things but i think that it's interesting and i think it's very representative because it sort of shows like that what this play is meant to show like what it's like being a black man in society and I think that that um, obviously is not an experience that I um, have lived it's one of those things where you can sort of see there's like so many things that come together with it because just we've talked about this before with like how society views men Mm -hmm. in general and I think that there's like this big focus on where we get toxic masculinity is this hyper focus on masculinity and 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 how you're not really a man if you're not being strong and I think that it's almost worse for black men because there's this I don't know like and 
I don't know if it comes back to the negative views that society holds towards uh, there's a lot of negative views towards black uh black women mm-hmm. but also just black men or or being black or being a person of color just in general but um i think particularly for for black men is there's this sort of like idea of like hood or gang you know gangster or whatever of like that is what you're expected to be not to be like that but to give that impression off while still being you know you need to follow the, the law and all of the stuff and so like that's why it's okay to you know shoot random black people because they you know could be kind of you know, it, it's crime and all of this stuff like all these like really shitty stereotypes that we have right and so i think that this it's an interesting representation when you're looking at the fact they're prostrating they're trying to you know fluff themselves up even like these childhood memories that they have of like making themselves seem bigger and stronger and more manly as like a six-year-old because that is sort of the expectation for them and even as as brothers as you know they lived through these things together and they think but it's like they still have to seem stronger, seem seem more powerful, seem more in control. And so that's yeah. sort of like the tragedy of it in a lot of it too, is just looking at what is expected or the viewpoint right. of like what it, should be expected of them as black like only, as young black men. Right. And only same lines, like we see that they get into she she gets into these really dark elements that are just kind of like sugar-coated in the storyline because you see how like trauma affects kids because they have traumatic childhoods and they both come out of it and they try to I mean you see this all the time with like PTSD and stuff people mask it differently people remember it differently and so like you have these two brothers that live the same experience and they came out with such different traumatic responses that they picked yeah. up on certain elements of it so like you have the the booth character who who thinks that everything that like he wants to pretend like everything wasn't as bad as it was or whatever and then you have the lincoln character who's like i lived through that that sucked then i lived through this it sucked and now we're here today and we're just gonna like keep going and like they just they had different outlooks on life that they garnered from their trauma and it's she just kind of shouldn't shouldn't necessarily just gloss over it because you do hear the stories but it's like she surface levels it to like I guess make it more manageable which is very interesting and and so dark and sad and you don't I I don't know if you just like maybe don't always grasp it because it is so lightly peppered in there it's not the entire story it's not the it's not in your face like it would be in a lot of other stuff I guess is what I'm trying to say well, but I think she also does a really good job of, I don't think that she's looking at it lightly. I think she's really yeah. representing when you have unresolved mm-hmm. trauma, it really hits you differently. And like, even I do this, you know, and a lot of people do as a way to like sort of process your trauma is like to just joke about it and uh, to make it funny. Because if it's funny, then it can't hurt you, right? Like if you laugh at it. And so I think that not having, you know, having these two guys who clearly need therapy, right? But clearly have not and probably won't ever go to therapy. How are they going to view all of these, you know, really traumatic things that happen to them? Because even like myself, I have had viewpoints on things that happened in my past before I processed them Mm -hmm. and was like oh it's fine it didn't affect me well it was more like I just buried it you know and so it's and and that's the whole thing I think she does a really good job of of representing that of like these horrible things that have happened and they really are a core to your being but you have not processed them and so you are just sort of like oh you know it's fine it sits it sits on this level when really it's like grown deep deep roots into everything yeah and that's more I think how I meant to say it because like I I didn't mean that the play handled it lightly necessarily but there's so many productions so many places so many films that they make it 
so dramatized and so it's so in your face and it's like that's not how it really is all the time and you're not getting a realistic view of it you're seeing like here was the trauma here's where they became a serial killer it's like 80 to like (laughs) zero to 60 whereas like with this play you see a more realistic showing of like that's why this play is so intricate because they intertwined their like traumatic responses and they're growing throughout their every day and we see it from their view we're not seeing this over dramatized view that's in your face so um I yeah I really I really enjoyed that I mean it was terrible it was sad but <laughs> as, <laughs> as a story you know so I enjoyed it in the right it was terrible way. and I enjoyed it <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, yeah so I, get, I, I get what you're I, saying yeah I think that was maybe one of my favorite parts of the play was seeing how they evolved in their trauma um throughout the play yeah so are there any instances that you would say like knowing the play reading it and seeing it that you think people wouldn't pick up on just from seeing the play like what is something that like you had to really delve deep to like figure out what it meant I think the biggest I guess sort of like struggle balance that I had was like their relationship um it's sort of hard to clock it because I think again we have like a societal or stereotypical view of of family and you sort of see you know the one brother is not you know he doesn't have a place to live he doesn't have anywhere to go and so it's like you do see that you know we're family so I'm going to take care of you kind of thing like he he's living in this booth is living in this tiny ass apartment-esque thing one room and he's like you know here's my brother coming and staying and so he is you know really invading in on the space and 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 all of that um but I think at the end of the day while you sort of see them like kind of bickering like a family does also really see them you know being there for each other and and connecting also because I think that even though you know Booth complains he has his you know his girlfriend's supposed to be coming and so he you know you can't be here and you're not supposed to be here and all and all of this stuff it's almost like you sort of know okay well you're you're probably going to be alone the whole time right and so do you actually like the fact that you get to not be alone because it's kind of like he's putting he's putting on this face that he feels like he's supposed to put on whereas in reality he's going back to this scared little boy who wants his older brother there like and who likes not being alone and who feels like you know this is all he has left yeah it's just that there's just so many levels because at the end of the day you know they've gone through all this stuff but the only other person who knows what you've been through is is that person and even though you're still trying to like tell them that it happened differently like you know that they were there they know that they were there you know and so it's sort of like that part of it of them telling the different stories about the mom and about the dad and the mm-hmm. the cheating and the money and all of those oh, things yeah. um it's like they're still the two constants of like having been together that whole time and so yeah it's mm-hmm. just there's just so much there's so much i know i know it's uh we could probably talk about this show until we died um but and we might oh yeah just we can't just we just can't do it on here forever so um do <laughs> you have any final thoughts is there anything else that you want to kind of address that we may not have touched on I know we touched on quite a lot so um anything about the cast's production the story itself I mean, I like that we're seeing, and I think we had a good year of this, and I've sort of talked about this before, and some shows doing really well and some shows not doing as well. Um, I think there's something to be said for having, you know, big names. Like, I don't really watch movies. We've talked about this before. So, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, these two big stars. And I was like, I don't know who either of those guys are. But I knew the playwright and the and the play because I had read that before and so I like that we're sort of seeing a a little bit more variety this season I think than we saw last season or at least that we're seeing more of um, different perspectives and more 
representation altogether because I think we do see a lot of stereotypes. And I think that we see that in a way in this, but it's it's done intentionally in order to show some truth. And so I hope that they're not that I hope that people see themselves in these characters necessarily because they, sure. you know, have a lot of trauma There's, and, you know, they right. have a lot of stuff that they're that they're dealing with. But um, I think that I hope that people are able to sort of see more representation and more more of an understanding of, you know, how how they are, how their life was or how, you know, society sees them and and be able to uh, understand themselves or, or process their own trauma or um just sort of like know how to relate to the world better um by just seeing more so yeah that's sort of my hope and so and i love you know i love seeing a black woman playwright doing things and 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 making a name herself and i mean she already you know she was already well known and she's considered you know this play I think is one of the top of the last 25 years like contemporary plays and I think that she's getting a lot more recognition now too with more stuff that she's writing and I think that that's good I think I hope that more people see more of her things because again like I read it in college but it's like how many things have we not seen or heard of or read because they're not you know, but she does such a such an incredible job with this. So yeah, I just I want to see more. Um, we talked about this with New York, New York, a little bit too, but just like the depth of work. You know, I I want to see more things that, and while I appreciate things that are just entertaining, um, I really enjoy seeing these things that are real and that matter and that tell a true a truth about a people a person an experience so yeah 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 I agree I mean I I love seeing I would love to see more by um Susan Laurie Parks I will look up her works and read more of them I'm sure there's something available somewhere I'm gonna read Top Dog Underdog because now I feel like I'll never get enough of it so I go (laughs) read it but before we wrap up i do have a fun fact for you Um, (gasps) i love fun facts i know so one of them was that the playlist was created i wrote it on the second page that's why i couldn't remember but it was mca who created the playlist um they had a whole cd that came out but the best fun fact is so susan laurie park's name is spelled s-u-z-a-n-l-o-r-i-p-a-r-k-s which is fine normal easy but in reality her name is spelled s-u-s-a-n but in one of the first productions she did down in the east village someone spelled her name wrong on the promotional material and she said she was like talking to one of her friends about it or somebody about it and they were like just lean into it like it's there now and may as well keep it and she just never changed it back and she she just kept her name as s-u-z-a-n ever since Oh my god, that's so interesting, isn't it? I like I. Whenever I was looking into her, I that's why I didn't read about the pandemic place because I got so into the story of how she changed her name because of a, a she changed the spelling of her name because of promotional material. Um, on but did she okay? Did she change it or is she just that's like her what she writes under? I mean, I don't know if it was legally or not, but like she ended up using that going forward for anything she worked on or was in. That's interesting. Well, and it's interesting because, I mean, this is not the same for like playwrights, but like for as like uh, film and TV actors as like Mm -hmm. part of SAG, you cannot join SAG with the same name as another SAG member. And so that's why a lot of people, you know, they'll use their middle name or they'll use the middle initial or something like that, um, or people just totally change their names. I mean, that was like more common a while ago. I've had discussions on this too. Um, Like I worked with an actor, she was in um, Oliver, when we saw it but she um had created like a fake last name essentially because her her name was too ethnic sounding like quote unquote because she 
doesn't look you know she's biracial um, but she doesn't look that way right and so her name sounded too you know ethnic that she was getting called in for these things that she was never going to get cast art because she didn't have that look right um so she created this whole new like last name thing but now it's like people are leaning more into for for the quote unquote war on you know white people or whatever lol um pit like people are leaning into their heritage of uh you know of more diverse heritage and so yeah it's it's just interesting how like times change or whatever and like the look of things and so like marilyn monroe you know changed her name because you know and and judy uh judy garland mm-hmm. you know what you had to have like an an attractive or whatever name. like name so now people have all sorts and or they would change it because either it didn't sound nice or because you know it was too complicated to spell too long to whatever um and now like everybody is google and voice text and whatever like it doesn't even matter the same way anymore and so i think that it's it's good because people can you know lean more into like their heritage and their own name and their you know not feel just like discriminated against their name because it's too long or too not white sounding like because your name isn't john smith or something (laughs) stupid but yeah it's sort of interesting again my tangent as i like to go on but anyway so as more people have come and and done things you have to sort of change it change the spelling change the whatever and so it's almost like if you if you search s-u-z-a-n she's probably the first one that pops up versus if you just searched susan like s-u-s-a-n done there's a whole a whole lot of people named susan so, so that's really funny. I just learned that this was a thing. You had to change your name for SAG when you got into it or whatever. If somebody else already had that name, because yeah. I was watching an interview. This was like like literally two days ago. I just learned this because I was listening to a David Tennant interview and I learned his last name is actually McDonald, not Tennant. And he chose that name because he was like a child. I don't know if he was like a teen child or like a preteen child but somewhere in that area when he got into SAG and they were like you have to change your name and he just happened to be really into the pet shop boys and so Neil Tennant is one of the guys in the group and so he was like I like that name and so his last name essentially became Tennant because of the pet shop boys which I found very fun and that's very well, interesting I and I using... want to know that now yeah well and now in a world where we like search everything right I started using my middle initial on stuff because when I was a kid and I used to do shows you used to be able to just like google Noel LeBlanc and you would get you know reviews or whatever from shows that I had done because it's not a super common name mm-hmm. French whatever but then when I was in high school there was this like punk band that got popular for like a second <laughs> she doesn't even like she's not even anywhere anymore but this girl noelle leblanc who was the singer for this band the demones um and i don't think they even make music anymore or do anything but yeah now when you search noelle leblanc you just find her stole my name and so, so now i'm noelle s leblanc when you're looking for me because otherwise it would just get lost in the sea of like other things which like i isn't that big of a deal but like as a editor or whatever actor even theoretically if you are searching for me you should be able to find me and not this other singer we're not the same so I did that when I started into my professional career so like after college when I went into law school I started using my middle initial on everything because I wanted to make sure like I mean there's not a, a million Courtney Clouds or anything it's not like also not super common but there are some out there like I'm not the only one and so you may find me first you may not but I started using my middle initial and so like that's what's on my like my license and stuff just so kind of you have such like a differentiation tune character name everyone told me I should be an actor or a pop star and I was like I don't want to do that but thank you 
<laughs> no, you should be a cartoon character. Okay, I'll work on that. Yeah. Or a novel writer. What a novel idea. But um that was terrible. I like I like puns? a good <laughs> I like a good pun, but that was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we have droned on enough. Our final thoughts have become multiple final thoughts that have just spiraled. It's fine. Not about top dog underdog. (laughs) Totally fine. We actually probably, I feel like we talked more about this show than we have about the past couple, though. We spiraled off of those other things. So this one, I feel like we did majority talk about top dog underdog. If you want to talk about top dog underdog. Like the dollhouse episode where it's like our shortest episode ever, but we actually like mostly only talked about adults house. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, if you're reading some uh susan laurie park stuff if you're watching top dog underdog reading it i don't know is it is is it touring i don't think it's touring is it i don't think so i don't think so well if it does oh there is an intermission it is two hours and 20 minutes with an intermission it's not a 90 minute no intermission listen we see a lot of shows we're real confused and this was so long ago like (laughs) i i saw it in september yeah so if you have thoughts if you're watching and if you want to talk to us whatever if you want to get involved with us if you have suggestions for us email us info at unseenartists.org and if you um want to hit us up on social media you can find us at unseenartist.org we're all over we're we're doing doing stuff Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Top Dog Underdog. I'm interested to see how many people knew about the show before its revival on Broadway, because I sure didn't. And I think I more people should know about it. So in the meantime, until till next week, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we're Unseen Artists. Bye-bye.